What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins, joined, as always, by David Lake. David, how are you doing uh, in mid to late July? Doing well, yeah. I guess, you know, decisions are going to be made here pretty soon, I think, coming up in terms of what college football might look like in the fall. We already got some you know, some sort of clarity, I guess. It's still a little bit confusing, but some clarity on the high school situation. And they're telling us by the end of July, we'll know more about the college situation. So definite big news ahead within the next week. And and I'm definitely curious to to see what what they decide to do. Yeah. uh, I've watched the FHSAA emergency board meeting on Monday night. Um, kind of got like sucked into it where it was like, all right, I'll just, I just want to see what this zoom calls like. And then like two hours later, I'm like, wow, I'm still <laughs> watching this. Like I, I couldn't put it away. And like my whole timeline was just filled like with everyone that had all these opinions. I mean, David, I told you like last week that I was planning on just moving to Atlanta and like getting an Airbnb for a month. Cause I thought all high school sports like I thought Georgia would play and Florida wouldn't um that still might be the case but right now it seems like all power ahead from the FHSA and we can get into that on the back end of of the show um but it's it's wild times man it is I don't know (laughs) it's tough I, I mean leadership has to make tough decisions a lot of unknowns a lot of uncertainty you know as they try and project what things are gonna look like um, you know, do I necessarily think the FHSA went, went about it the right way? I would say probably not, but like you said, we will get into it later in the podcast. I will point out real quickly though, not like depressing times, but if you are like a diehard Miami recruiting fan, like in years past, um, this time would be like hype week for paradise camp. Like that is all, all we would be talking about. Uh, and it's just not even Paradise Camp. I mean, if you're like a Florida State fan or a Florida fan that that listens to this podcast, like it would have been SNL and FNL, and it would have just been this like huge recruiting week right before we went into fall camp, and um, we just don't have that at all. So it's there's there's no uh, ever changing Paradise Camp visitors list. There's no is our surprise yeah. five star going to show up? There's no commit commit watch. Just a little bit different um, than years past. But I will say, you know, Miami has found a way to generate some momentum in recruiting here lately. And, you know, since our last podcast, Miami picked up a commitment with, you know, we were hinting pretty strongly, I think, that it was going to happen. But Jabari Ishmael, the four-star defensive end, uh, you know, made it official on Friday night, giving that commitment. Now that the dust has settled, Andrew, what, what's kind of your main takeaways from Miami getting that addition into the class? Well, you said we hinted at it. Do you think like maybe we knew what was coming? <laughs> yes. um, I, it, this is uh, a big get. I like, do I think Jabari Ishmael is um, a, a top 100 player? Uh, no, um, but he's still a super like intriguing pass rusher to me. I mean, I wish we kind of had some verified measurements on him and he's kind of the one kid 
that has never, I've never even seen him at a camp, which is fine. Like, I'm not saying that's the end all be all. Like you have to go yeah. to camps to be a, a five star, but it's like, damn, I would really love to know what his wingspan is. Um, and just maybe if there was like a, a some type of measurement on him. And unfortunately, we don't have that. But Jabari is a guy who has made plays uh, two straight years for uh, a Miami Columbus program that's pretty dang good. I mean, Miami Columbus just had two guys. What was it? Two guys drafted in the NFL draft, and and Chris Henderson right. and, and Josh Uchi and Trajan Bandy came from there. So this is like a solid program. And if you're from South Florida, you know that. And Jabari's a guy who uh, multi-year uh, contributor, I'd say. And um, to me, I, this is a this is a good get. Like I think it's a pretty down year in the Sunshine State as a whole for like edge players. And I'm honestly surprised right. more schools hadn't kind of like turned up the heat um, on Jabari. And you know what? I think they did, uh, but Miami just did a good enough job of convincing him to. Uh, attend the school where his dad works as the strength coach. Yeah, I mean, I think you you mentioned it. He's a defensive end with that's still very raw, still uh, you know, kind of a developmental guy. But he's a high upside, you know, four star if that makes sense, developmental type player. And with with where Miami's defensive end position room is right now, that's more than fine. Uh, he can, he can redshirt his first year at UM. He could probably even not necessarily play much as a redshirt freshman. And then as a, you know, third year sophomore, he will be in a position to, uh, make a, a serious contribution as a starter, as a rotational player. And, you know, after three years in a, in a strength and conditioning program, he's the type of guy that's most likely going to look a lot different than he does today. So that is, that's one position group where Miami is in a very good shape in my opinion. And they, you know, they're not uh, resting on their loyal laurels there at defensive end. They're, they're continuing to, to stockpile that position, which, which is what it takes to compete at a high level across the board. You gotta, you gotta keep stacking top talent at every position Miami's definitely doing that at defensive end and Jabari's the the you know closest example to that. Well, you mentioned David developing and he gets a chance to sit for two years. Like that's what it should be um yeah. at certain programs. Like that's what Alabama does. And I was thinking about this earlier. Uh everyone always talks about how Wisconsin kind of like churns out offensive tackles. Like everyone wants yeah. their offensive tackles. Well, those guys come in, they redshirt. Um, and they're not expected to play for a few years. So in some ways, I feel like Miami has essentially kind of like done that on the defensive line. Like they have guys that you're not coming in expecting to contribute right away. Like look at Jafari Harvey. Jafari Harvey, um, right. you know, one of the analysts at 24-7 Sports had him as a five-star prospect. And, and we, we all thought maybe he would play last year. And you know what? He didn't need to. Want to know why? Because Greg Russo was right there. And I, I'm sure, I mean, who, who knows what happens this season, but like Cam Williams didn't even play last year. So I think, right. uh, you know, that's the, like it, if there's one position where Miami seems to just really know what it's doing, it's, it's at defensive end. And I think I wrote since uh, Manny Diaz has, uh, was hired by Mark Rick, like Miami's now signed five, four-star defensive ends, which doesn't really sound like a lot, but you're only really taking like one of those edge guys a year. So I think they're really – kind of just stack in talent there. Yeah, it's impressive. That's what they need to do 
at every position. I think they are taking the steps towards getting to that point. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, overall, Miami's adding another four-star guy to their their class. And over the weekend, I wrote yeah. an article about the, you know, Bud Elliott, who's now at 24-7 sports, uh, has come up with a blue chip ratio. You know, he's he's studied, you know, fairly recently, I'd say maybe within the last decade or so, the teams that compete for the national championship, uh, what, what are the common traits or trends they, they have with recruiting? And basically, it starts with your roster has to be 50%, you know, at least 50% full of blue chip players. So what's a blue chip player? A blue chip player is a four or five star prospect, according to the 24-7 sports composite. So, you know, looking at Miami's 2021 class, right now they have 18 commits. Nine of those commits now, nine of those 18, are at least four-star prospects. Uh, they're all four-star prospects. So Jabari pushed Miami into that you know, blue-chip ratio area where Miami wants and needs to be in order to have that baseline depth and talent to compete for titles. And you, know, you look at last year's class too, the 2020 class, they were, I believe it was, they, they ended up signing 21 players and 10 of them were four-star guys. So right on the bubble of that blue chip, just under by, you know, a couple of point percentages uh, below the 50% mark. So if, if Miami's just over that amount in this recruiting class, over a two-year period, they're in, they're in good shape. And then the hope would be, okay, 2022, stack a similar class on top of that. So just in general, I think that the main point is, you know, look, honestly, if we take a step back and look at things, Manny Diaz is recruiting at a near championship level um, at Miami. Does it still need to take that next step? I would say yes. Uh, but he, he's definitely recruiting at the baseline high enough level it takes to, you know, stack your roster with talent. Uh, to, to put yourself in position to, to compete for real things. Yeah, I, the blue chip ratio thing's real interesting to kind of look at. Um, and I guess we really need to point out, like, with most of the targets that are left in play, like, yes. it's, it's, it's four-star guys. I, I think aside from Thomas Davis, who yeah. is a three-star, like everyone else that, that's kind of in play on the board um, is going to only push that ratio higher. Uh, they got 18 spots. We're, we're operating under the assumption that 24 is the number. I, I personally don't think Savion Collins, the kid out of Miami Palmetto, the defensive lineman, I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not anticipating him to sign with Miami, so now you're down to 17. Uh, that gives about seven spots left, assuming the NCAA doesn't change its rules. And it seems like uh, Miami's most likely going to add guys at the 24-7 sports composite ranks as – as four stars are higher. Uh, you also wrote another story, David, kind of outlining or, or the chances Miami has at a, at a, at a top 10 or top 15 class. Yeah. I think 15's, top 15 is pretty obtainable. Yeah. Um, but they could push into the top 10. Am I, am I correct there? I think so. You know, basically what it would take for a top 10 finish is you land five-star defensive tackle Leonard Taylor, who's going to make his decision – 
at the beginning of August between Miami and Florida. Miami's August 6th. August 6th. Miami's trending positively there. Um, five-star guy. So that obvious – and look, landing top 10, top 15 classes, it's all math. It all boils down to how highly rated are your guys. So you land a five-star, that's really going to help you jump. The second guy to, to keep an eye on if, if your goal, if you're a fan that wants to see a top 10 class, is James Williams, who, again, another five-star guy. Miami's in the top two with him also. He, Miami's battling Georgia there. Um, that decision probably won't happen anytime soon, but Miami's right in the mix with that. Uh, I believe in the composite, Williams is even ranked 10th in the country. So he's, he's a very, very highly rated recruit. Obviously, if Miami lands him, that vaults Miami up a lot too. And then I think the third guy to watch would be Jake Garcia, the quarterback commit at USC, who, you know, Miami's trying to do work behind the scenes and flipping. And, you know, he, he ranks number 38 overall in the country, according to the 24 seven sports composite. So essentially that would be three top 40 players um, in the class. If Miami was able to pull that off, and when you have that kind of star power, you know, you put yourself in position to be in the top 10. I don't think that puts Miami in a position to be in the top five, but I think they land those three guys, they would be in that eight, nine, 10 range, you know, depending on what the other spots that, that fill out the class look like as well. Um, so certainly, you know, they got a chance to really, really climb uh, up the rankings if, if things go well on the recruiting trail. It's crazy, man. Uh, you mentioned Jake Garcia, and I, I was looking that up when I uh, was assembling a mock class over the weekend. Jake, if he were to end up at Miami, would be like the highest-ranked quarterback yeah. ever to sign with the Hurricanes in like the modern recruiting yes. era, pretty much. Yeah, since, you know, definitely since – so 24-7 sports began in 2010. So definitely since then – um, I guess since then, the highest rated guy was what, Jaron? Is that correct? Jaron Williams? Yeah, I think so. It was, he was, it was a like top a, 100 guy, but he wasn't a top 50 guy. Um, you know, definitely if, if they land a Jake Garcia, that's a huge deal. He's a borderline five star guy, uh, plays the most important position in sports. You know, I would argue Leonard Taylor plays the most important position on the defensive side of football. And so you land a guy on each side of the ball at those impact positions. This recruiting class has a chance to be special. Yeah, it, it, it really does. Sorry. Just got a message. I was trying to finish off that email. No, it, it does. And, um, you know, it seems like not every day there's a new name, but take an example like Corey Collier, the, the, the top 24 seven safety out of Miami yeah. Palmetto, you know, Miami hadn't really been linked to him, but now he he announces that he's going to make a decision on August 10th, and it seems like the Hurricanes uh, are, 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 are a finalist. I think right now he probably uh, likely ends up at LSU or Florida, but Miami's in the mix, and with about two weeks to go, you never know. They, they could absolutely push. Um, yes. So it seems like, you know, you talk about momentum, but, like, the momentum – it's kind of a real thing in recruiting. Yes. Let me, let me put you on the spot. So you, you put out your, you know, VIP mock recruiting class over the weekend. 
Um, when you when you were putting that class together, what was maybe the toughest decision for you in that class in terms of, you know, putting a guy in, which meant leaving a guy out? Um, what, was there anything you were kind of wrestling with as you, as you put that class together? Uh, I, I think the biggest thing was what Miami does um, with kind of the final remaining remaining spots. We know they want to take a quarterback, so I, I put Jake Garcia in there, which I, I think makes sense. I mean, he's the one quarterback that's been on campus um, yeah. multiple times, so, you know, he was there. I put Leonard, Leonard Taylor in there as well, the interior defensive lineman. Um, I, my crystal ball is still on Florida, but you know I think Miami's trending up. We'll see what the case is here uh, as we get into August. But you know why not have him in there? Um, you know they're going to take a corner, so I, I put Markavius Brown, who is a Pahokee native, that, that's out at um, that's uh, at IMG Academy. And then, I, and, and then when you look at the offensive skill positions, I, I put Amari Daniels, the running back from Miami Central. Uh, I put Brashard Smith, the wide receiver from um, Miami Palmetto. Felt, felt good about those two. And, and then kind of one of my final spots, I gave it to Yul Keith Brown, who's a, a, another wide receiver um, mm-hmm. at, at Miami Central. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I would have loved to, to toss a James Williams in there um, or, or Chase Smith, who's a kid we really haven't even discussed much on this podcast. He, he's a Miami legacy, plays uh, at Palm Bay, uh, an athlete, kind of kind of do anything on, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so that was maybe the hardest call, figuring out what to do with the last spots because, like I said, we, we know Miami wants to take at least one more receiver. They're going to take a corner, and they got to take an interior defense alignment. But after that, it could really come down to best available. And depending on how this season goes – you know, it, it, could, it could really go in a lot of different directions in, term, in terms of how they kind of finish this thing out. Yeah, if things, let's say, you know, hypothetically a season happens and things go well, you know, I think Miami's going to have to make some decisions in terms of, you know, how, how many of the guys maybe they keep in the class or, you know, who they, which highly ranked guys they decide to really target uh, instead of other guys. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's going to be very interesting if Miami has a strong showing on the field, which, you know, in turn generates a lot of momentum on the recruiting trail. Uh, you know, as we keep saying in, the, in this first half of the show, there's a lot of uh, upward mobility potential with this recruiting class if, if things fall in the right place for Miami. All right, anything else you want to get in before a, a quick break? I think that's it. All right. Other side, I'm going to talk about a new name in the transfer portal. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, David. um, This is a podcast about Miami Hurricanes football, which also means it's a podcast about the NCAA's transfer portal. Yeah. Um, it seems like we've, we've gone long enough, probably a few weeks without talking about it ever since Miami got Jared Williams, the offensive lineman from Houston. But there is, I mean, every day there's a new name in the portal. Um, yeah. But there's one with some ties to South Florida. It's Georgia cornerback Devod Wilson. He entered his name in the transfer portal on Monday, which was kind of surprising. I think it caught a lot of people by surprise yeah. as Devod um, was in line to get some playing time for the Bulldogs this season. He, ended, he he actually started two games last year for Kirby Smart and them had a pick in that Notre Dame game. Um, so he's in the portal and he's a kid that's from Miami Northwestern. You know, I was going through his profile on, on, on 24 seven sports, kind of clicking through the images and uh, I got images of him <laughs> at Miami seven on seven tournaments. Like he's a guy that, um, this staff is is very familiar with and let's just get this out of the way we have no idea if Miami's going to um, make a move on Devon Wilson we have no idea if there's been contact yet I'm sure there'll be clarity at some point so stay locked to the site inside the u.com but David tell me why you think uh, potentially pursuing a guy like this would make some sense yeah I mean I I would if I'm Miami, you know, first, of course, do your homework, which I think we can assume they're doing now. Uh, but, but if everything checks out in that regard, yeah, he's definitely a guy, if, if I can make it work uh, in terms of the numbers, he's definitely a guy I would add to the secondary. Um, you know, he, he was a former four-star recruit out of Dade County. Uh, I, I would have I definitely agreed with that assessment when he was coming out of high school. He's a guy that, you know, is definitely good enough to play at Miami. As you mentioned, he started in the SEC. And I think, honestly, he fills, you know, depending on, I would assume, let's say, if he did transfer to Miami, I would assume he would apply for a waiver, and I would assume he'd be able to get it. So let's, let's assume he could play immediately, right? If that's the case, I would pencil him in as the starting slot corner, which, you know, I think it is somewhat of a position that's up for grabs this year. I think we can assume this, the starting corners on the outside will be Al Blades and DJ Ivy. Um, if, if Miami adds Devad to the mix, I would pencil him in as the starting slot corner. That's primarily what he played at Georgia. He was a slot corner. And honestly, I think that's, that's his best role. He's a very physical corner, not, not necessarily the fastest guy. So not sure you necessarily want him on the outside, but he's very physical and he has very good short area quickness and instincts. And so to me, that means he's perfect for the slot position where he can also help you know, support the run, set the edge from that nickel corner spot. So, and look, it, if it is somewhat of an indication what Georgia thought of him, because 
when he was at Georgia, he wore the number one. And so, you know, as silly as it may sound, uh, teams don't give the number one jersey number to guys who aren't ballers. So Georgia clearly thought high of Devon Wilson while he was there. Uh, you know, I, I just think he's too good of a talent to pass up. You know, I think some Miami fans might say, you know, why didn't he pick us the first time around, et cetera, et cetera. Who knows? But, um, you know, I think ultimately you can't turn talent away that can help your roster. I think Devad's that kind of guy. What do you think? I kind of agree. I mean, um, I think the biggest thing is starting in the SEC. Uh, it's not like some guy who's coming from a group of five school and I know uh, Miami's got a ton of those guys on, on the roster with, with Jared Williams, Derek King, Quincy Roche, and Jose Borregales. Um, yeah. I, I just think if, you know, I, I think we've said in the past maybe that, like, if the, if the right corner was out there, I, I could see Miami potentially right. making a move. But, uh, you know, I, I, it, it, it depends on if he could get the waiver. I think a lot of guys are going to get waivers just kind of with the state of um, – where we are as a nation and to be honest like man if it came down to him or one of the high school kids in terms of a counter like I think I would would ride with with Devad yes I think that's kind of what the debate would boil down to if Miami decided to make a move on him don't you think it it basically boils down to because you'd have to count him to this 2021 class right yeah I mean you would and And so but he's got him or McKeevious Brown or Deuce Chestnut. Yeah. And I would take him over those two without a doubt. Tell me this. Do you think there's any value to like, okay, he went to Georgia, decided to, let's say he transfers to Miami. Do you think there's any value to that? You know, having that in the locker room for recruiting purposes, you know, cause Miami's not done Miami's going to continue to battle Georgia kids, local kids for Georgia every year. If you have a guy on in Miami's locker room that, you know, can tell prospects that come visit, Hey, I was at Georgia. Let me tell you something. It's, it's not necessarily the grass isn't always greener uh, going to a place that's far away from home. Uh, no, I, I, I think that'll absolutely be uh, used. Um, okay. I think I think that will be factored into the decision of whether or not to go get him um, for sure. And remember when Miami took Cleveland Reed out of the transfer portal, yeah. like that was one of the reasons as well. Um, or I, I should say Cleveland Reed, the, the offensive lineman that's at Miami now, you know, he entered the transfer portal, came back out of the transfer portal in, in Miami, took him. Everyone, everyone was confused why, you know, you can't quit a team and then come back. But I mean, Miami wasn't going to get the counter or spot back forever and now when a kid wants to transfer, they're going to say, hey, go talk to Cleveland Reed down at the end of the locker room and ask him what, 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 what the portal life is like. Because right. um, So, yeah, I, I do think that will be factored into all of this. I think the same could be said, too, with Isaiah Walker, you know, bringing him in from the transfer from Florida. Uh, you know, Florida is going to continue to recruit local guys. Miami has a guy in their locker room now and Isaiah Walker, who was at Florida for a brief time, but he was there. Um, you know, so that, I think that certainly helps on the recruiting trail a little bit. What, what do you, 
What do you remember about Devad as a recruit? What do you remember about Miami's pursuit of him as a recruit? Was there much of a pursuit? No, I mean, remember? no, there. I don't remember ever. Like, I mean, I don't even know if Miami honestly even offered. I, I, I would have to look that up. Like, I don't think they did. Um, they just kind of went in a different direction that cycle. Uh, like I said, I mean, he was a guy that was at the seven on seven tournaments and yeah, and stuff like that. And I, I know there's some rumors out there that you know maybe he didn't jive with uh, current Miami striker. Gilbert Frierson. I mean, I've tried to confirm that and, you know, it seems to be the case. Who knows if that's been squashed or, or, or whatnot, but, you know, just knowing those two different recruits, I can definitely see the clashing personalities in terms of like, um, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I can see that. And, you know, Miami was all in on, on Gilbert Frierson throughout pretty much the entire recruiting process. Like I remember, you know, Mark Ricks went and saw him like on a Tuesday night play because of some, crazy situation where they were playing on a Tuesday night, like Tuesday night of a game week, Mark, Mark Kirk was out there. So like they were yeah. all in on, on Frierson and um, but yeah. Devad was committed to Florida for a while. Do I have that correct? Yeah. He, he took official visits to a ton of places. Actually. I, I looked that up like Louisville. He was at late. Um, there, there, this is, but I, I mean, I remember him in the playoffs. Like he was a good sticky cover yeah. corner. He took an official to Alabama, South Carolina. I mean, like South Carolina and Alabama. When T. Robs at South Carolina, like those guys know DBs. So it's not like right. he's just just some. Uh, Do you scrub. agree with with my opinion that he'd be, you know, let's say Miami pursues him. Let's say Miami lands him. Would, do you view him as like a slot corner for Miami immediately if if he's able to play at Miami? Yeah. Uh, okay. Right, that's what I think. Yeah. I, I would view him as a slot. I would maybe even view him like long-term, maybe NFL-wise, as a safety. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, in the immediate future, you put him as a, as a nickel and, uh, you know, let, let him go to work there. But yeah, I mean, I think the bottom line both of you and you and I are getting at is we'll see if if Miami decides to make a run. But uh, in terms of just pure talent and the time you get in him, I think what he's got two years left. Do I have that right? I think it's three. Three. Okay. Even better. So yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of value there. So um, shifting gears towards that FHSAA meeting I brought up at the beginning. Things are getting weird, not only with the college football season, but also the high school season. Um, and I, I guess what I really just want to bring up is there is a chance that some of Miami's current class of 2021 commits could not play a senior season of, of high school football. Uh, yeah. and, and what do I mean by that? In some states, I think California, Virginia, where they have, abs- where they have you know, pushed back the fall sports until the spring a handful of notable recruits have already announced that they are not going to uh, play their senior seasons they're just going to enroll early and I did a quick kind of straw poll on um, Monday night just gauging which of Miami's commits are planning to enroll early and there's about eight or nine of them that are that are planning to do that that's on the site uh, those names which means you know, those guys are going to have a difficult decision to make. If you're a kid at Miami Northwestern, like a Khalil Brantley or, or Cameron Kitchens, 
Uh, do you want to potentially win a fourth straight state title or do you want to start your college career early? Uh, so it's, it's going to get, I think, a little weird uh, in terms of that. Take us through just what basically the FHSAA decided uh, with their five-hour meeting. Uh, and you know, basically just what does it mean for Dade and Broward? Uh, because I think that's what the majority of our listeners care about. Um, well, it, oh yeah. And you should, I mean, like if you're a Miami fan, you're listening to this podcast, Miami has 18 commits, 15 of them, uh, go to a school in Miami Dade or Miami Dade or Broward County. Basically what the FHSAA did on Monday night was kind of like give those schools, uh, essentially a middle finger. Um, these people w- w- went back and forth and deliberated and the decision was made to not change the calendar. Um, so uh, next Monday, July 27th, schools can start practicing. Um, that's fine if you're in like rural parts of the state, but in South Florida and, you know, Tampa and, and Orlando and Jacksonville, like those metros are COVID-19 hotspots and you, you can't do that yet. So the, yeah. the, the FHSA board of directors basically ruled that if local government officials, school districts allow you to practice, you can do that. And uh, we're not going to change our calendar in, in the postseason dates. Now, now they did say um, teams will be allowed to play past uh, when the playoffs start, but they have to make a decision. Like they could play regular season games when the playoffs start, but they have to make a decision by a certain date if they're going to be in the playoffs or if they're not. Um, but, you know, to get into the playoffs, you're going to have to play enough games to qualify. And if you're in South Florida, you really don't know when you're going to be able to start. So there's a good chance that uh, a majority of the South Florida teams could get shut out. And for those unaware, you know, Miami-Dade and Broward combined to win seven of the eight state titles that were, you know, that were played for last title. So um, who knows, you know, there's, there's plenty of talk making the, the ways on social media that, conferences might just break off and, and do their own thing. I know over your way, David, there's, there's some talk of that happening. I mean, honestly, I thought coming into Monday, I thought football was getting pushed to January as that made the most sense. And I thought yeah. there was going to be a bunch of kids that are going to transfer up into Georgia because Georgia's going to play, but now I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. The, the issue I have with the decision is it doesn't serve everyone. Right. So I think if you're going to make a decision, you either make a decision where you're going to push forward because everyone has a chance to play and start, which is not the case in, in Miami-Dade, Broward, I think Orange County, the Orlando areas, also in, in a hotspot situation. So they're not able to practice or gather for you know at least you know a month after these July 27th practices are going to begin, right? So... It doesn't make sense that they would push forward when there's going to be many, many different timelines going on uh, with these football teams. Uh, So I think the sensible option would have been, you know, move things to January. Uh, Unfortunately, that's not the conclusion that the FHSA came to. So, you know, if they move forward and still hold a playoff and all that, it's going to be fraudulent because it's not going to feature South Florida teams. Um, but you know, like you said, maybe South Florida just does their own thing, uh, which could be fun and entertaining, uh, for, for one year in itself, to be honest. Um, and you know, go ahead. 
No, I, and I mean, one other, I think, storyline that's not being talked about enough with the high school seasons being moved is, uh, and I got to credit Brian Stump, who, who uh, runs the Elite 11, he pointed this out, like, okay, a lot of quarterbacks enroll early. Um, so if you elect to enroll early and not play your senior season, that is going to absolutely hurt your development because if you are a quarterback, you are now losing anywhere from, what, 10 to 15 games if you play for a state title, uh, right. and you don't get those live reps back. So I don't think that's being discussed enough. Um, I think, too, from a Miami perspective, it hurts because, you know, look, obviously Miami's trying to flip Jake Garcia, but let's say that doesn't happen. They're going to have to go down to that next tier down uh, and start, you know, mining for, for quarterbacks that are having good senior seasons. And, you know, that field is shrinking as more and more uh, state legislatures are deciding to push football back to the spring or, or whatever. So definitely tough. You're right in terms of Miami's chasing of quarterbacks. Yeah, uh, just right now my on my Twitter timeline, some kid from twenty twenty one corner from Virginia just tweets that he's transferring into Hallandale for his, his senior season. Like, I don't know. It, it's gonna be interesting and, and fun to kind of track those moves, I think. And I don't know. Like I if I'm IMG Academy, I, I figure out a way to Yeah assemble four teams, create some type of bubble, and then I would just play over and over again. Like Michigan, Michigan commit JJ McCarthy like got ahead of the, got ahead of the eight ball because he's like insured himself that he's going to get reps. Well, it'll be you know we mentioned Jake Garcia a lot this podcast, but he's he's kind of thrown out there in the past, right? Or people around him, I guess, have spoken to the media and, and kind of let it be known. He he would think about going to Arizona or maybe even Florida. Uh, you would think Arizona is probably the smarter call at this stage, but. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting because California is not happening this fall. Jake Garcia, like playing at Traz. That would have been sick. But Six, six nights a year. <laughs> that would have been sick. But like, okay, right now there's no reason for him to come because who knows when Dade County is going to get started, right? Uh, so. if, if I'm a parent and it's of a kid I think that's going to play Division One football, which is probably a lot of people, you know, I, like I would be – seeing if it's feasible to move into Georgia. I think Georgia yeah. is your best chance of playing. I agree. And I bet we see some, some people do that, to be honest. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, David, what do you got coming up on the site this week? Yeah, so first I'll just want to um, draw attention to we got a deal on the site. It's network-wide, 50% off for an annual subscription. So that gets you a yearly, a year pass to Inside the U for 53 bucks. So I would recommend everyone jumping on that if you want to join the fun. I think, you know, during these weird times, we are providing plenty of entertainment, plenty of escape from this crazy world at this time. I think, you know, our message board's definitely uh, coming up with some fun conversations all the time. So I would recommend people jumping on board. I also want to say thank you to everyone who decided to give us a follow on the new Instagram account. We're now just past the 600 mark. 
I want to encourage more of you to, to follow us. Uh, we're having fun over there too. Uh, want to get to that 1000 mark. So help us get there, please. Uh, again, appreciate all you guys for continuing to listen and support us. And we will keep the fun content rolling on the website. Yeah, it should, uh, it like, there could be crazy changes, like in terms of tracking where kids are going. Yes. If some, if some absurd ruling is, is made and, uh, again, like, you know, not going to tease that a commitment's coming, but I do think Miami has some names in play that could, that could announce, uh, pretty much any time. So I think you could argue, you know, outside of the, you know, the Miami heat getting going right now with the NBA season resuming soon, Miami Hurricanes football recruiting might be the the second most exciting thing going on in, in South Florida sports right now. So I think it's it's a fun time. Miami's doing well on the recruiting trail. So, you know, I'd say jump on board, uh, join the fun on Inside the U. Well, it's certainly not Inner Miami's start to uh, <laughs> that franchise. All right, guys, we will talk to you later. Take care, guys. <laughs>